So the title today is A Disciplined Follower, and I just wanted to share a few thoughts. These are some things from this summer that uh, God has placed on my heart for us here at DC, and I only usually, usually only speak once or twice, and so this will, you won't see a lot of me this year. Maybe you will. We'll see how it all comes together, but uh, I'm going to try to get my thoughts out um, today. So the source material for what I'm going to be talking a lot of the source material comes from the book that we're reading in 12th grade Bible. Uh, we started a new book this year. Uh, it is called Cultural Intelligence. And it's by a guy named Daryl Bach. And we've been reading the same book for about seven years, and it was time for a change. And uh, the first time through this book, God really got a hold of my heart in a number of different things. And so I wanted to share some thoughts from that and uh, kind of blend that into what we're going to be doing in discipleship this year. And so... Um, what I'm talking about this morning is not like a, like a formal theological argument for discipleship. I don't think I want to waste my time talking about how um, we should define discipleship and how we should you know, carefully consider each of the details about discipleship. I don't have time to do that. But what I want to do is talk about uh, some of the things that God has placed on my heart uh, in terms of discipleship. Um, for our community. And in, in my estimation, there's not a lot of people, let's, let's take D Dayton Christian out of the equation. When I just look across um, churches in our area, there's not a lot of people being uh, actively discipled, involved in discipleship. And these kinds of programs are usually few and far between, and it's hard to really even define what it is for some churches. And so this morning, I want to I want to get into some of how we can do that here. And so before I get into my thoughts on it, let me give you a few kind of non-threatening critiques about how I think maybe we have maybe mishandled discipleship um, in the past. Um, the first thing I want to say is that a relationship with Jesus is not primarily about what he can do for us. Instead, it's about entering into the reality of what God is already up to in our world. See, uh, the way that I always word it is like this. God himself is on a rescue mission. He is on a, he's on a mission to seek and to save all that has been lost as a result of the fall. And so when we choose Christ, when we deny ourselves, which is something we'll talk about in the coming weeks, what does it look like to deny yourself? Um, we, we're not only going to receive the forgiveness that, for, of our own sins, but we're going to be adopted in as sons and daughters, and we're going to be able to live within God's family, and we're going to be grafted into God's plan. And so the second thing that I think we've neglected is the broader context for discipleship. Um, you see, we have to talk more broadly about the mission of Jesus, about what his goals were when he was here and doing ministry, and what that might look like for us. We got to speak to the broader context of caring for those who are in need, preaching the good news to the poor, drawing near to the marginalized, setting the captives free. What does that look like? when you apply it to a school like ours? How, how do we participate in God's kingdom ethic? It's really important. And so uh, we are doing that this year in Senior Bible in a couple of different ways. We're talking about cultural intelligence. And so you can throw it up on the slide. Uh, this is the definition that um, I wrote for cultural intelligence. Understanding the changing world around us and how to engage these changes well. The world in which we are living now is full of rapid change. It seems as though the target is moving all the time. We don't really know what tomorrow is going to bring. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even know that we were live streaming chapel until seven or eight o'clock last night. And so we're always having to adapt and adjust and figure it out. 
having cultural intelligence um, is really about, is about this. It's about understanding our changing world. And so the core concept um, is that we have wrongly framed culture. And this is, this is what I wanna spend some time uh, this morning briefly just talking about. See, for whatever reason, for a long time, Christians have framed a culture uh, as an enemy. And the Bible, as a careful reader of the Bible, we, we are not allowed to, to frame the culture as the enemy. Ephesians talks about spiritual forces of darkness that are in the unseen world. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, we find that the enemy of Christians is not flesh and blood. It's not each other. It's not somebody else. It's not this group or that group. Um, it is spiritual forces of darkness. We have a spiritual enemy. Uh, a spiritual enemy. And so rightly framed cultural intelligence sees the world and our culture as an opportunity, um, not as the enemy. And so if we can rightly frame culture as an opportunity instead of an enemy, then we may start to um, see some change in our world for the better. And so that's sort of point number one. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against cosmic spiritual forces in our world. What's really crazy about that, uh, if you've taken some worldview classes around here or you've kind of just observed culture at all, uh, what you'll find is that most people in America today uh, don't even really believe that these spiritual forces exist. For one reason or another, people are unconvinced that the actual evil that the Bible speaks of is even a real thing. And so what we find is there's this huge disconnect. We want to find an enemy. We want to find a tangible enemy. We want to go after that enemy. We want to attack the enemy. Um, but the actual evil, the real thing that's causing harm, is a thing that many people but don't even believe exists. And so disciplined followers of Jesus have got to stop thinking this way. Um, we've got to stop thinking uh, like that there are certain people out there that are out to get me, that the world is out there to get us, that we are victims and that we are in some sort of fight or that we are in some sort of battle or that we are in some sort of war for the future of Christianity. This is not how the Bible frames our faith. And we have to be careful as disciplined followers. We must engage culture, but we cannot engage our culture from our insecurities. This will not be effective and it will not work. We have many examples of this. We shouldn't expect people who don't know Christ to prop up our faith. Disciplined followers don't rely on non-Christians or media or politicians to prop up their faith. We rely on Jesus Christ. We rely on his word. We rely on our community right, of believers and fellowship together to go and engage the culture. Disciplined followers of Jesus don't try to take over culture through confrontation. Disciplined followers of Jesus listen. They discern. They learn. And where do they learn from? The teachings of Christ. As I get older, the more um, I'm finding myself reading the Sermon on the Mount, taking in the teachings of Jesus, Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, do yourself a favor this year. I would... I would say, if I'm gonna ask you to do anything this year as the spiritual life guy here in the high school, um, read the Gospel of John. Just read it this year. Go through it. Maybe you've been through it recently. Read it again. And when you get done with that, read the Sermon on the Mount. Read Matthew chapter five through seven. Learn about who Jesus is 
and his life and his story and the way that he interacted with people. Understand that. Be deeply influenced by that. Um, my next slide is, uh, is this, and this is something that I want you to remember. You can go to the next slide. Uh, it's essential that we engage culture with humility instead of engaging culture with arrogance. Humility instead of arrogance. And that we take our roles as ambassadors of the message of Christ seriously. I've watched over the past two years um, many Christians who have not taken their role as ambassador um, very seriously. Maybe they have decided to um, act a certain way, say certain things. Um, we've got to let humility lead the way. Uh, what this does when we take our role as Christ's ambassador seriously, it frees us up. It frees us up from being an ambassador to anything else, right? Any other country or race or ideology or politic, it frees us up from trying to be ambassadors of any of those things, and it focuses our attention on being ambassadors for Christ. Our goal as Christians is not to take over the world. Uh, that's never our goal. Uh, Jesus is the only one who can fix the world, and he's coming back. The Bible is clear. Uh, he has had victory on the cross. The Bible is clear. And he will have victory in the end. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20 uh, says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God des desires. For me, this has just preached a lot lately. Uh, because there's just a lot going on in our world. There's a lot going on uh, here in our community in Ohio, and there's a lot to take in, and there's a lot to adjust to. But we have to remember that af as we engage culture with humility, we have to be quick to listen, slow to become angry. Um, people are not the enemy of Christ followers. People are the goal of, of Christ followers. People are not the enemy, they are the goal. And we have to reframe our thinking. See, people... <laughs> The people that are the goal of Christians are actually trapped in a hostile spiritual environment. Uh, they don't even know that they're in danger. What I said earlier was that most people don't even believe that spiritual forces of evil exist in our world, even though the Bible is clear. And so people aren't even aware that they're in danger. They aren't even aware that there is a problem. Um, we can't see uh, people that boil our blood <laughs> as people who need to be crushed. We have to stop thinking that way. Um, we can't see them as enemies to be defeated. Instead, we need to see people as needing to be invited and welcomed into a different kind of space. Welcomed and invited into a different way of life. We need to give people the opportunity for rescue. Um, Lifeboat scenario, right? I mean, if you are on a sinking ship and this thing's in the middle of the ocean, right? And uh, we know the reality of our situation, the sin that separates us from God, but we can throw, you know, little life buoy things out there to people. And some people, maybe they're just like, you know what? I, I just want to throw that back at you. I'm just going to try to figure this out on my own. I'm going to see how long I can tread water. We got to keep throwing life buoys. We gotta keep doing that. We gotta keep welcoming people, giving them an opportunity for rescue. Ephesians 6, 12. I think I have a, a slide, yeah. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there you go. That is a biblically right-framed uh, definition 
of who our struggle is against. Um, 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says this, and I think I have a slide for that as well. Uh, Be prepared to give a defense for Christ with meekness, with gentleness, and with respect. We aren't defending ideas. We are defending hope (laughs) and orientation to life. Our tone matters. Courtesy and respect matters, uh, regardless of how wrong we think someone else is. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says this, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Let your speech always be seasoned with salt and full of grace. Colossians 6, verse 10 says this, Do good to all people, especially people in the faith. Do good both inside and outside the body of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 20 to 21 says, As Christ's ambassadors, we implore you to be reconciled to God. We invite people, we beg people, we show people Christ, and we say, come, come, be a part of what God is doing in the world. Our tone matters. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 22 through 26 says this. I think I do have this slide. Uh, Live above disputes. Don't engage in foolish arguments that produce quarrels. Instead, instruct gently with hope that God would grant repentance, that they may escape the trap of the devil. We bring hope. People are in danger. People are sinking, right? We bring hope. We bring a message of hope and of opportunity and of a different orientation to life, that they may escape the trap of the devil. An example of this is uh, from the Apostle Paul and his sermon um, in Acts chapter 17. Uh, he, he, gives, he gives a great example on Mars Hill. He says, uh, he builds a bridge to the Athenian culture. He's in Athens and he builds a bridge. He delivers an honest critique, right? You can read earlier in Romans where Paul is really upset by all of the idolatry that he sees in Athens. As a matter of fact, he's sort of blown away by it. He has a lot of kind of harsh critique for all of the idolatry that he sees in Athens. But yet, when he goes and speaks to these people uh, on Mars Hill, he doesn't start the conversation with the Athenians by calling them idolaters. He doesn't do it. Uh, Instead, he calls them very religious in every way. And I think this is beautiful, and we often forget about this, Uh, when we read through the text, Paul says uh, he later turns the conversation towards the gospel and towards reconciliation and towards their need for God, but he first just calls them religious people. He's like, it looks like with all of these idols around here that you guys are worshiping, that you're very religious people. And then he talks about Jesus. He builds a bridge. He doesn't blow it up. Um, I think this is beautiful. If you're an idol worshiper, then let's talk about idols. (laughs) So where do you start? Where do you start in our culture? Um, Where do you start in America where people know very little about the Bible? They they know very little about the content of Scripture. Well, you start with the idea that we serve a personal God, a God who seeks a relationship with people. And, and, And that in this seeking a relationship, he, right, he is the creator of the world, You're accountable to him because he is the creator of the world. To him and through him, all things are sustained. All of life is lived. Um, We have to start explaining our worldview, what we believe about God 
and we have to do so freely. So how then do we not live with the identity of some kind of culture fighter, warrior person, and instead with the identity of Christ? Well, we do so with gentleness, with humility, with meekness, and without compromise. We simply talk with the gospel. We lead with that. We talk about the life of Jesus. We talk about who he is. Uh, so important. We don't ever talk this way. Anywhere we go. It's amazing to me. Um, you know, grocery store, whatever. You know, it's like I constantly am finding myself in these conversations because of what I do. But it's not because of what I do uh, that I want to have these conversations. I think anybody can have these conversations about Jesus. We got to start talking more about Jesus. We gotta have more conversations. We gotta mute our need to fight back and disagree and throw our agendas in there. We gotta mute that. We gotta talk about Jesus. We have to step back and we have to start connecting with people where they are. People have deep questions about life. People are wondering about where God is in the midst of all of this you would be amazed how easy it is to have a conversation with someone about God right now because people don't, they don't have answers. They can't figure it out. They're tired, they're weary. This is an opportunity. Culture and people are an opportunity. They're not the enemy. And so here are three things I'm gonna leave you with. Number one, pursue uh, mutual understanding before you pursue assessment. Understanding does not mean agreement. It just means that you understand what they're saying. <laughs> we want so badly to put all of our eggs into one basket. We don't wanna listen. And just like we heard earlier, we have to be slow, slow to speak and quick to listen. And so pursue mutual understanding before you start assessing things. Number two, uh, avoid rebuttal mode. Uh, this is something that I see over and over again. You can go to the next slide. Uh, avoid rebuttal mode. We can talk past each other um, and we're not seeking to hear. We're not seeking to hear. We're seeking to give our points. Don't always have a thing to say. Just listen. Don't always have a thing that you need to push, like an agenda. Just, just listen. That's okay, right? Number three, um, and this will be my last point and then I'll pray. When you disagree, become more curious, not more triggered, Okay? It's amazing to me how I watch people just shut down. Um, be aware of how your own identity and your own self-understanding and your own worldview impacts what you're discussing. We have to be more greatly in tuned with our own blind spots, with the, with the things that we don't quite fully understand. We gotta shore up our, what do we believe about the Bible and about Jesus and the gospel? We gotta know what we believe. In order for us to be aware um, we gotta surround ourselves with people. And so my last kind of piece of advice, I guess, this year is that surround yourself with different groups of people. One of the ways that you can get, um, one of the ways that I think you can, you can stop learning, or maybe we'll just say it that way, is when you only hang around the same people all the time. You have the same group of friends. You go to the same sports practices. You go to the same things. You got like three or four people. Get yourself a variety of people with a variety of backgrounds coming from a variety of cultures. Learn about people. Get to know different people. 
It's amazing. Even here at DC, we have a wide range of people from different backgrounds and different life, different, um, different upbringing. It's an, it's an amazing opportunity. We have to learn to listen. Um, we have to recognize the beauty and the diversity around us. We have to become more curious and not more triggered. 